Welcome to Get Unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Over the next hour, you will be given valuable tips and tools you can use to overcome what keeps you stuck. Now, here is Jason. Welcome to Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I am your host, Jason Hopkins. Thank you for joining us today. Get Unstuck Radio is inspired by my own journey of navigating this thing called life. More than a decade ago, I faced my own dark night of the soul, a painful chapter that robbed me of my mind, my money, and my way. After a series of catastrophic setbacks upended a lifetime of work, I was left with two choices, to end it all or to begin again. Fortunately, with a mustard seed of faith, I chose to walk forward with a new commitment to serve others. Over the last decade, I have faithfully worked to evolve the narrative of how the world sees mental health. By recognizing that everyone struggles, sometimes we all need new insight and a different perspective to see life more clearly. Not only is this show the birthplace of my own efforts to overcome life's challenges, but a safe space to meet other champions who, even after setbacks, still bravely show up and serve others. Get Unstuck Radio highlights the phenomenal people who have helped join me along the way. It is a place to share their stories, which hopefully will spark inspiration in your own life. Together, we celebrate our individual capacity to move forward and get the lives we truly desire. Each week, a distinguished guest will share their own unique perspective about what it takes to move beyond stuck and achieve their truest potential. Regardless of where you are, I'm hopeful you will discover the inspiration and courage to make an impact in your own life. Let's get started. Today, I am thrilled to welcome Christine DeFrancesco. Christine's long-term recovery from alcoholism has paved the path to a career in the field of addiction. Her recovery journey and lifelong history around horses led her to open her own business utilizing those factors. Since getting sober, she has obtained certifications as a National Certified Peer Recovery Support Specialist and a Certified Equine Assisted Coach. Christine is an equine life and recovery coach who works with individuals diagnosed with substance use disorders. Powered by the motivation of her own experiences in recovery, she facilitates activities with the clients that help them work through the barriers that hinder growth and rehabilitation. Her work is influenced by a 40-year history of working with and training horses. Her training as a recovery coach and the experience gained through working collaboratively, collaboratively with a clinical team of counselors, therapists, and social workers. Christine's belief is the power of horses in recovery stems from firsthand experience. She has taken wisdom from the herd and incorporated it into her daily recovery through authenticity and living in the moment. She is passionate about passing along this wisdom and teaching others to do the same. Christine has worked hard to make her dreams come true. A couple of years into sobriety, she bought a six-acre ranch in Elizabeth, Colorado, and a few horses. When you arrive on the ranch, you feel the peace, the country setting, and the mountain views bring. Serenity Stables is currently the only equine life and recovery coach in Denver Metro. Christine, I'm grateful to have you here today for another episode of Get Unstuck Radio. Um, I'm just inspired in reading your bio here, um, how deeply rooted this journey that you're on is in personal story. Um, Where did this begin? I know you have a long history with horses, but give us a little backstory to how you, you got into doing the beautiful work that you're doing today. 
Sure. So um, I was born in Rochester, New York, and from the when, from the ages of eight years old until I was about twenty, I took uh, horseback riding lessons once a week and began competing in hunter jumper and dressage. Okay. And so I had. I remember. I remember my mother. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of m- money growing up, but I remember my mother scraping change in the cu- trying to find change in the couch to to get enough for my riding lesson. And back in the eighties, they were $8 an hour. And now, you're, and now you're looking at $80 an hour. Um, wow. But it, you know, the horses have always been a part of my life and I growing up and I went through a lot of like in junior high, especially a little bit in grade school, I was bullied a lot. And I didn't realize the solace that I had in the horses and that th- I would actually go and cry on their shoulders and they were helping me from the very beginning. They're, they're a beautiful, beautiful animal. Uh, And the, for me, the alcoholism actually started at a very young age. I started drinking when I was 13 years old. So that, I mean, sneaking into parents liquor cabinets and the very first time I drank, I actually blacked out. Uh, it, it was, it was, wasn't good. It, it was very difficult, uh, to just keep going, keep going like that. I, I, as soon as I drank, I was like, oh my gosh, I like this. And I just didn't stop. I just didn't stop. And, you know, I, through all of my teenage years, drank heavily, um, eventually acquiring many DUIs. And my husband as well of, we've been together 18 years. Right. And, you know, together we had accumulated 10 DUIs. So it, it was, it was a lot. (laughs) So Christine, I, I, you know, I, I love that the, the power of the horse had such a significance in your life from such an early age. And, And you mentioned earlier that, especially in junior high, that you had been bullied. Was that kind of the, the originating source of, where the alcoholism started just as a way to kind of numb the experiences that you were going through in school? That and a huge piece, uh, and this is a vulnerable thing to talk about, but I think a lot of people go through this. Um, When I was very young, like from the ages of a year and a half to three and a half, I was systematically sexually abused by my babysitter's husband And I never told anybody until I was like nine years old. And by then, you know, statute of limitations, all of that, uh, couldn't do anything. I did, my mother did believe me, thank God, did go to counseling. Um, But I think a lot of that affected my being promiscuous when I was growing up because I quickly identified my body as currency Mm -hmm. and that I could get something out of it. But then with that came great shame. Uh, Also, and then adding in the bullying and my sense of worth, like it, it was shot. I hated myself. I wasn't until I actually healed, truly healed that I really, and started to love myself that I realized how much I actually did hate myself. I didn't realize that because that's all I knew. I didn't know love. Right. 
you know, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story. You know, I mean, obviously we're here on Get Unstuck Radio. And and I think the reason that telling these stories are so important and valuable is we all experience things in our lives that happen that have an erosive effect on our self-esteem, our self-worth, you know, the love or the hate that we have for ourselves. And it and it truly is because of champions like you who are willing to show up and share their stories in a way that may not always be comfortable for us to talk about, but I think it peels back the 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 layer that, you know, we are all built from a place. You know, I I too am a sexual abuse survivor, and I can resonate with many things that you're sharing here in this story. Um, just in the for me, how I've reconciled that, you know, having experienced abuse as a child also is I think from a very young age, you have a stolen innocence and, you know, you you expect that your childhood is innocent and you get all of these experiences and all this. And, and when that, that doesn't happen in the sequence that it's supposed to happen in life, I think you become empowered in different ways to compensate for the things that are missing. And, and it sounds like that was a similar experience for you in, in using your body as currency. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I want to uh, highlight that it is an out-of-sequence event, the things that you and I experienced in childhood. Um, but frankly, I, I don't know about for you, and I know there's a lot more to your story that we want to talk about. Um, I, I am at this place um, now in, in in my own journey of, of recovery, um, of recognizing that if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here. And part of those experiences that I went through opened the door for me to be able to show up and and have conversations like this with other people. Exactly. Exactly. The, the thing for me was really having learning the self-love um, and being able to get into, go into recovery with both feet. I had 30 years of alcoholism so it's three decades of behavior patterns so starting to drink at age 13 i never grew up right you know when i got sober i was a 43 year old teenager right and and blaming and i blamed everybody i was it's your fault it was your fault for everything that i was going through so it, i had to really what helped me personally was the the 12 steps of aa and having a sponsor that going through all of that and and telling another human everything that I've done, everything that's happened, because I never told a soul, you know, all the all the shame and, and all of this, you know, that that's with that. Um, the drinking eventually was every single day. The last three years was every single day and the last year. I don't remember because I blacked out all the time and I had high liver dysfunction. I weighed about 120 pounds and I'm five foot eight. So I was very um, frail and um, on death's door, really. The only thing that saved me was my last and final DUI. And so for me, that was my bottom because my husband had gotten his last and final DUI five months prior to me. And during that time when he got pulled over, 
our our daughter who was seven years old at the time was in the vehicle Mm. so cps got involved and my husband told me christine if you don't quit drinking we're gonna get a divorce well i just couldn't stop jason i could not stop and i was waking up in the middle of the night throwing up shaking sweating from withdrawal and waiting white knuckling it till my husband would leave for work and as soon as the liquor store opened i would go with a hoodie and sunglasses because i was full of shame with any change i could scrape up shaking (laughs) going and buying a shooter or a pint or whatever i could afford for the day at that moment um so that was really that was my lowest point i was really on death's door and I knew I I knew I was in trouble. So I would just start drinking more to forget about how much trouble I was in. Right. It was that it was that bad. And I couldn't hold any job. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Uh and that last DUI, I knew I was facing prison time. Uh I knew that I'm like, oh, you know, we're gonna lose our apartment. We're we're I'm definitely losing my child and my husband had to serve time as well and we ended up serving that concurrently and my 73 year old mother at the time took custody of our seven-year-old daughter and took her for eight months while we did our time and when we got out we went back and we got custody back of her but when we got back when we were in in, uh, he was in jail on work release and I was in a halfway house we didn't even know if we were going to be able to keep our apartment. The only thing we paid for was our apartment and our car, and we were able to keep both. So I didn't even know if I was going to have a home to bring my daughter home to. It was very scary. Very scary. The thing that I'm hearing for your, from your story, and again, thank you for, for so openly sharing about this. Um, you know, the thing that I'm hearing is that that in spite of the fact that you had this child that uh, that it sounds like you deeply cared for your addiction was greater than any other circumstance and and really for you it was external factors that kind of brought you to your knees your rock bottom so to speak um to to reset your life i i guess the question i have is at any point throughout the journey of having that many duis was there anything in the system that you served in that was about rehabilitating you or helping get you the support that you needed to find sustained recovery. Yes, there was. And in fact, I had to do many, many classes, but my, it was me. I was the problem because I was just going through the motions. Cause like, okay, I'll just get my, my crap together. And once I'm, you know, once I'm stable down the road, I can have another glass of wine. And I always thought that. So I was just like, okay, I'll just do what you're going to say. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, you know, and I'm doing really good. I'm like, oh, look, I can drink again. And sometimes I'd be okay for like even six months and be like, see, I'm good. And then. So you played along. I sure did. I sure did. And it wasn't, it was, I had to quit for myself. Well, and I think that's an important point for anybody who's listening, who, who has struggled with addiction. I mean, they, they obviously are going to resonate with parts of this story. I want our listeners to know it's not just as easy as saying, oh, I'm going to take some classes and this is all going to get better. What I'm hearing from you is you basically had to lose almost everything, including your daughter, but want it for yourself more than you wanted it for any other external factor 
for for this to finally click. Yeah, very much. It, it definitely had to be, it had to come from within. And I realized that everything was going to be taken away. I would literally lose everything. My marriage, my daughter, everything. Uh, and I never had that. You know, I had DUIs and I, you know, lost this or that, but nothing, nothing this major. It, it was, and as a mother and you lose your child, that was the most shameful thing. I had failed my daughter. I failed oh, Just pile on how you already felt about yourself. Yeah. You know, what I think is fascinating and, and you don't hear this very often, and I know this is kind of unique in your story you and your husband were addicts together. And it sounds like he got sober a little bit before you did by, by the story that you were telling about his last DUI. But the fact that you got sober and have continued to move forward in your lives as a married couple in sobriety, having spent most of your marriage, it sounds like in addiction is pretty rare. Do you see that very often? No, I do not, but it is possible the 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 fault in this is the both people have to be willing to get better. What I see is one person does and the other person can't. Right. One or the other. However, if there's any couples out there and you're listening, if both of you are serious, healing is 100% obtainable. And our relationship was was really bad. And I'm talking domestic violence, um, infidelity, financial destruction. This was like, you doesn't get much worse. And you today, checked all the boxes, so to speak. Yes. And today, Gerald and I, it's so different. We do not scream at each other. Yes, there's yes, there are arguments, but there's no raising of the voice. We talk things out. We, there's no more name calling. There's obviously no more physical abuse. There, we listen to each other. We laugh. We love each other. And we have such a great appreciation for what we have now. And it is possible to recover if both parties are willing. But I really think the, the each individual, it's so important that you work on your own stuff. Well, that's what I was about to say. It, it to me sounds like you all were committed to to staying together, but really the work to be done, aside from all of the minutia in your marriage, was really work that you each had to do on your own. We had to work on our own stuff individually and then integrate that back together. I just wonder, you know, so often when we do the work, I'm going to put that in quotes here. Um you know, that that really is rooted in kind of healing those old wounds, those family of origins places, you know, our capacity to show up and look at things that maybe we have kept hidden um, or, or from the light for some time. How important is it for somebody that's struggling to go back to those places to find sustainable recovery? It's very important. Um, you never want to, you want to include everything that's happened. Everything's happened. Everything is, is a learning experience. Everything. 
I love that. And and I think that, you know, just the the willingness to show up and explore those most painful parts of ourselves really I can't speak for anybody other than my own story. It really is where the fruit has come from. And it's it's the testament in your marriage that you laugh and you love each other and you're you're not violent or abusive with each other. Like that to me says a lot about people who have in commitment decided to show up not only to serve themselves, but to serve their relationship in a way that is fulfilling and can be, you know, one of the promises that we can be afforded in this life, right? Yes, absolutely. Let's take a quick break. And I want to get back and I want to talk about the the powerful work that you're doing. And again, I thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. But let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll dive right in. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I am joined by Christine DeFrancesco. Um, Christine and I have been visiting about her journey of recovery from alcoholism and um, moving into the important work that she's shown up to serve others in their journeys of sobriety now um, through her, her farm with equine therapy. Christine, before the break, we were talking about how you and your husband both had a long history of addiction together and then have found sobriety together. Talk me through, you know, you lost your daughter, you both went to jail for a time. Talk me through kind of that dark time of beginning again. How did this start gelling into becoming the life that you have today? Sure. So soon as I had gotten my DUI, I put myself straight into IOP. 
Okay. And I actually did it for nine months. I went three so days. For anybody listening, tell us what IOP is first. Intensive outpatient. Okay. Got it. So intensive outpatient. I was going to classes three days a week, three hours a day, three times a week. And I did this for nine months. And I asked, finally asked my counselor, I said, you know, am I done? He said, Christine, you've been done. You just keep coming back. <laughs> So I was like, you know, when I was in a good spot, like I felt like, okay, I'm good. And then the halfway house told me that I still had to do 180 hours of DUI therapy, which meant once a week for a year and a half. Okay. And I about lost myself. I was so mad. I said, I do not want to do this. I've already done. I've done this many months. I'm good. And they're like, no, you need to do this. Well, it was the best thing for me. Because this is what happened. I get into my DUI therapy and I'm in there for several months. And my DUI therapist, her name was Dr. Lisey Brewerman. And she saw something in me. And she said, I would like to teach you the first half of your peer coaching credential. And I said, what's a peer coach? (laughs) I didn't even know what it was. So she taught me the first half of my peer coaching credential. Then I finished it and I did it through NADAC. So I got nationally credentialed. So she saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. Well, my husband and I were getting ready to buy a house. And I said, you know, what if we bought a land instead and got, and I did like peer coaching and incorporated horses, like, equine therapy and he immediately was all in and the funny thing is we were so naive about getting a farm I had no idea I was a little perplexed I said well I'm not a therapist how am I going to do equine therapy I'm not a therapist how how is that what's that going to look like right Um, it was yeah that was difficult and then what I found I was just looking and looking and I found an equine assisted coaching uh, degree And I said, well, that's perfect because it fits right in line with recovery coaching. So the equine therapy and equine coaching, it's literally the same thing, same activities. The only difference is the processing at the end. So I wouldn't go into someone's traumas, right? Right. Uh, That's what happened when they were three or whatever. I just stay in the present and going forward. So I found that this uh, equine assisted coaching credential just fit in perfectly with peer coaching. And I said, well, we could do that. And for about a year, now, mind you, when we got out, I had a credit score. I didn't know it was possible to have a credit score in the 400s. <laughs> okay. And so, and I never, up, right? yeah, exactly. And so I didn't realize how much this was all going to entail, um, all of it. And the, the, the credit was horrible. Everything was it was very hard to get started. I, but I just had, I had this dream and I had a crazy drive. I was like this, it just, something felt right. It felt like I just needed to, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just kept thinking and imagining what it would feel like. And then all of, I kept getting inspired action. Like, Oh, I should do this. And these were these action steps. Okay. I'm like, okay. And I just do this next step, do this next step. And I wouldn't diddle daddle. 
you know, and I, I looked at properties every morning and I would just fantasize about like, oh, I want to live there. I want to, you know, just looking at things. And when we, we were ready to buy the ranch, we saved, now we saved a lot. It took us two and a half years and we saved about $45,000. Okay. Now I, my whole life, I only waited tables. I, I lived paycheck to paycheck. I'd never had an amount of money. When I got out of the halfway house, they handed me a check because when you work, you give them their money. And when they release you, they hand you your money back. They handed me a check for $2,700. Okay. And that lit a fire under my butt. I said, what? I, and so in two and a half years, I turned that $2,700 into $27,000. And my husband matched it. So we, I went and got credentialed as an equine assisted coach. I got credentialed as a peer recovery coach. We found of the perfect property and I was able to buy it. Like we just bought it and the asking our loan was the exact asking price, but people were offering $25,000 over. And that $25,000 was going to be money to set up my ranch, you know, equipment, all right. everything I needed. Let's even get it. We had to give everything, everything. And I think I had $500 in my bank when, after we bought the house, I was terrified. Right. I said, Oh my God, what are we going to do? I don't have a hose. I don't have a wheelbarrow. I'm like, how am I going? Oh my God. You know, and I had to bring the horses there. I said, how are we going to do this? Uh, I just started, I found stuff to get donated to me. I was looking for sales. I bought everything used. <laughs> I just did what I had to do. And it was amazing how everything came together. Uh, and I started working at a continuum recovery center as a peer coach and admin assistant. Okay. And then, it, so I did that because during COVID, you know, the restaurants closed. So I went and did that work, which was great because I made a lot of contacts into the recovery community, which helped me then initially launched my business. So what I'm hearing for you from you is it it feels like once you got committed to showing up for yourself, the universe made way for this divine plan that you're living. Like it sounds like every box was checked along the way for this to be your vision come to life. Very much and and in that I realized that there was purpose in my suffering. There was purpose in my story and that it wasn't for vain. Right. And that there, there was meaning behind this. I, I just, I love that. And for anybody that's listening who thinks that things are too far gone or I could never do that. I mean, I just, I hope they're hearing from your story that even when things are down and it feels like there is not a way, there can be a miraculous way that reveals itself that things will come completely into alignment um, to to manifest manifest your best best vision yet. Absolutely, and I did never thought I never thought that this was possible till I started believing in myself. It was the self love, and you know, here I was, a middle aged woman, uneducated, formally broke. And, and going, oh yeah, I want a ranch and I want like people would think, oh, you're crazy. The only reason I'm sitting here today is the belief that I could do it. And I 
I quickly learned I had to get out of limiting beliefs and out of that box uh, about myself. And that large in part, what I help others do as well. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, if it, you know, in the work that you're doing, I mean, again, this self-love component, you know, overcoming limiting beliefs, like talk more practically about how this work works. Like if somebody comes to you, that's, that's in a broken place, like you found yourself in before, not just broke, but broken, um, and is ready to do the work to, you know, to heal themselves. Where, where do you begin? Well, first I, you know, I began by making a connection with the human and the horse and a really deep connection they can feel in their heart center because truly what we're dealing with is the heart and it exudes so much electromagnetic energy. And, and so I, what I'm trying to do with my clients is really connect them, get them to feel because we can talk about connection in therapy or in the rooms, but what does it feel like? And so I, and, and when you're at the ranch, you, you have this, you're out in nature, you, you have this visceral experience with, with the animals. It's um, for me, I really honing in and peeling back those layers and finding out what is blocking what are these blocks that are in your way from trying to get to point A to point B? You know, whether, you know, is that, is that self-doubt? Um, is it uh lack of, you know, confidence? Um, you know, sometimes people come in and they, it's the opposite, right? Like they think they know it all and they're like, they're banging their heads against the wall. I'm like, well, right. slow down. <laughs> Um, it, it's really, for me, it's about meeting the individual where they're at. Some people in early recovery, so they can't even, they I mean, they can't even think straight. I'm really going to focus on their connection and, and getting that feeling, you know, from that horse, just that primal, that birthright that we have of connection. And we're very cut off in society. Um, you, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt there. I, I just wonder in... In doing this work, I mean, seeing people coming from different places, this this woundedness, are there some common threads that you see that are pretty consistent in the people that show up? I mean, I know our life experiences are often vastly different, but are there some common threads that you see that that kind of result in this woundedness that people show up in these, these pretty dark places? I think the biggest one is I'm not good enough. Okay. I, I, I feel that all the time off my clients, you know, they don't have that. There isn't that excitement inside them. They don't, they don't get like how special, like that and powerful and all of that's in them. They, you know, they don't, they don't see that. What I like to do really is when I'm starting to work with somebody is start peeling back those layers because we all have this, this face, right. That we put on. I want to peel back that face and get underneath the horses actually really assist in this process because there's no lying to the horses. They, they know the truth and they tap right into it. 
So, and they're mirroring back to you what you're putting out. So there's that as well. Well, and what is so resonant to me right now in hearing you tell this story is that 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 narrative so many of us play is I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing going out on a limb here, your alcoholism was a byproduct that tried to mask all of those feelings. But what I'm taking away from this is that's a feeling that many of us have and can have that maybe alcoholism is not how it expresses in yourself. It could be, it could be an addiction to other things, overworking sex. I mean, any kind of thing. Um, But that root cause of unworthiness and not good enough really can erode how we show up for ourselves in life. It sure can. It sure can. I think, I think a lot of people are, really lost and trying to fit into the this ideal box you know a postage stamp that we're supposed to be in and operate in and if you step outside that box you're weird you're you know well what's weird is that box that was often defined by other people's ideas of what we should do i often find the box we drag around is not based on a box that we built for ourselves it's built for the perceptions that we have other people or expectations we think other people have for us in our lives, right? Absolutely. And and there's a lot of like work I do around the conditioned and authentic self and and what that looks like. What is in your heart? Because for people, whatever is in your heart, like your passion, your gifts, your unique talents is directly in alignment with your purpose. Because there is a reason why we have things in our heart. There is a reason why we have certain talents and others don't. There's, and it's not for naught. There, that passion is what, why we're here. We're here to express that. And I want to teach people to be able to be free of, be free of that box. What do you? How do you want to show up? How do you want to feel? Because we ultimately create our own reality. And it's about handing people, putting the reins back in their hands and so they can drive instead of having everyone making decisions and driving for them. And I think this is really across the board. And, you know, you try to conform to other people's beliefs and you're not following your own inner inner voice. Well, I can see we're not good enough would come because you're not you're not self-actualizing. And I want to help people do that. I want to I want to help people understand how uniquely special and amazing and powerful that they are. Well, and what I love about that is you're doing it from this place of you pursuing your own passion through purpose. And, you know, I just find the fruit of having done your work makes you a a worthy advocate for helping other people do the work. Right. Yes. You know, I I am so inspired by your story. And I really, there are many things here that that I hope our listeners are getting. But the 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 one thing that really sticks with me is the sheer determination and tenacity that you've approached your life with to not only serve yourself to find sustained recovery, but then to show up and serve others with what you know and give them the tools that they need so they can go on and find their own passion 
leading to their purpose. Yes, absolutely. I, I believe in what I'm doing wholeheartedly. And, you know, sometimes I could get, I could jump in the, the fear boat, but I, I refuse having a ranch and horses and starting your own business. There are 101 things that can go wrong. Expensive (laughs) things too. Yeah, absolutely. So I just focus on the best, the best job I can do and how can I show up and, you know, those paychecks will follow that will follow. Um, No one's missed a meal yet. Right. (laughs) And uh, I was able actually to quit my restaurant job uh, last March of this year. So I've stepped into this full time. Well, and, you know, I think that really what you're describing to us here is a true testament in faith. And it and it is believing that what is meant for you will not pass you by. Correct. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to I want to get a little more tactical about what you're actually doing at Serenity Stables um, and let people know how they can get connected with you. Um, Give us a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who are widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you ever feel like you're just going through the motions? Jan Jones wants to boost your energy and ignite the power inside you. The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I am honored to have my friend and guest, Christine DeFrancesco, here. Um, We're talking about the incredible work that she's doing um, from her own journey of sustained recovery with equine therapy and um, recovery coaching. She has a beautiful farm here in Colorado that she um, serves others to show up and find their passion and purpose in life rooted in this this narrative that so many of us play out of, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough. Um, Tell us a little bit more, Christine, about, you know, 
if somebody's listening and they have an interest or it's piqued their curiosity around, I'm curious about that. Where where would they begin? Whether it's at your your place or somewhere else, where would somebody begin to start seeking out, you know, equine therapy as a as a healing modality? Yeah. So, you know, you can look up any kind of equine facilitated learning, equine facilitated uh, psychotherapy. There's many different modalities of this, you know, just in your hometown. If you Google that, you will find different, different places that will offer that service. And, you know, depending on why, what you're going for, you, you will want to ask them too, like, what are the kinds of, what are the types of people that they serve? Because some may gear more towards, say, handicapped people or like more towards children or maybe more towards um, veterans with PTSD okay. type things like, you know, certain, they will have their niche. If okay. You will. That's important. And, and if somebody that's listening you know, doesn't have a history with horses, has never been around them, maybe even has a fear of them. What do you find is kind of the thing that helps them get over exploring this as a a treatment potential? Yeah, well, I would love to explain um, what I call the magic behind the science. Okay. And this is what is physiologically going on between the human and the horse. And I think it's real. I always tell this to my clients before starting a session when they're new. Um, it really helps their experience and understanding what's going on and also puts more intention in the session because you're like, you really realizing what's going on. And what we're dealing with is the heart and heart energy. And th- there's a couple fascinating things that I do need to tell you about the heart is that it has, the heart has 60 times more electromagnetic energy than that of the brain. Wow. And there's more and there's more information going from the heart to the brain than there is from the brain to the heart. Okay. And inside the heart holds over 40,000 sensory neurons that learn, think, feel and remember. The heart is actually the real brain. And it is picking up everything from the environment. So, now every time that your heart beats, It's setting off an electromagnetic wave. And on that wave is data coming at a frequency that the horses can tune into. They're literally tuning into the electromagnetic frequency of your heart and they can discern all the emotions that you're feeling and they can feel it for themselves. It just very much, it's kind of like how a dolphin has sonar. Okay. This is something that goes on with horses and they're picking up off of our heart energy. And the horse's heart gives off 10 times more electromagnetic energy than the human heart. So they have what, what what's called a biofield, which is really your aura. But now we have science is caught up to it a little bit. We have machines that can measure this and they call it your biofield. So a human's biofield will go out about three to five feet. A horse's biofield will go out anywhere from 20 to 30 feet. So so what happens is when these biofields start to converge, this is where the horse is picking up on you and they can sense everything. And so 
what they really have to get and they're mirroring back. So whatever you're putting out, they will mirror back to you. And so you have this representation of a thousand pound animal mirroring back to you what you're giving out. And it is a and it's what we would call a divine mirror. And there it's the just words really- that I'm hearing as you're talking, it feels like for some people it might be the first time that they've experienced an unconditional love. Oh yes. Yes. In fact, that is a lot of what people say that they can feel that and they feel, and I ask them, where do you feel that in your body? And they say, and they point to their chest, you know, that heart is a portal. That heart is a portal to that, to that divine and that, that divine. And I'm teaching people. I want people to go inside to find that because we are part of it. And it's inside of us. It's not outside. Right. So I really want to clarify, because it sounds like what you're describing, people are not actually getting on the horse. They're just interacting with the horse. Correct. And so these are just experiential activities that include grooming, haltering, uh, leading a horse, doing different activities. I have obstacle courses. This is all engaged with me as a coach, as the facilitator, and Sometimes I'll do different activities, like some little paint on the horses as well. Uh, there's just a, a different array, array of activities that elicit and develop components of self-confidence, self-awareness, communication, and connection. And a lot of times when people are working on in therapy for, say, months, maybe working on something for, say, six months in therapy, and they come out and for two, three sessions with me, and they just have huge ahas because it's visceral. It's it, it's right there in your face. You can't deny it. And you're experiencing it. And horses have a way of helping us verbalize what we cannot sometimes. They help us bring, bring that out. And the, just the physiological effects of they actually lower our heart rate because their electromagnetic system is so much stronger than ours. It actually like trumps our system co-regulates our system, ultimately becoming one system with a horse. So then you or your heart rate starts going the same beat. You're breathing the same breath as the horse. Wow. That's powerful. Um, I, I love, I love that. And I can imagine experientially what that's like for somebody to, um, to, to be guided through a session like that and how healing and, and helpful that could be. I know you're also doing work with, with youth today. Tell us a little bit more about that work because that's different than the recovery focused work. I'm guessing. Um, sure. Sure. So because I'm, because I am duly credentialed as a peer recovery coach, but also as an equine assisted coach, I'm not limited just with people with substance use disorders. So, okay. um, but I, but my heart is there, right? And and so my my niche, my niche is narrow. So it's people with substance use disorder, and then and then children. I don't want to serve a, a wide array of everybody because then I, I don't want to be you know everything. I can't be everything to everybody. Otherwise, I'm nothing to nobody. But the 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 kids are just really have a place in my heart. My daughter, who's now thirteen. <laughs> And the teenager has really inspired me last year to start this program. Um, I just found her constantly in her phone, right? Just texting all the time. And then when she'd get in front of people, she's socially awkward because she's missing all the social cues 
you know, we, our society is just changing and they don't, these children don't know how to communicate and they're just stuck in their phones. And I thought, my gosh, I need to, how do I do this? And Ariana, my daughter, bless her heart. She, uh, when I did this program, I asked her if she would join it and she jumped in with both feet. So I actually had my own daughter do this. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to teach these children to use their inner guidance system because it's something that our education system is lacking greatly. We don't teach our children how to self-regulate, how to use these coping skills. Um, and especially with social media, they're just so concerned with everything outside of them right. rather than concerned on what's going on internally. So what I did with this program is I made it four weeks long and I incorporated a trauma-informed yoga instructor alternating a Tai Chi instructor. So every week they get a half hour session of Tai Chi or yoga. I would also have them do a 10 minute guided meditation every session. We did journaling. I They all brought their journals and I had them journal at the end of each session to process their own days, what they got out of it and all of that. Okay. Uh, and they had to do random acts of kindness every week. And we talked about that. So it was also a safe and we, of course, you know, our experiential equine activities and I encompassed all of that together in, in a program and did like three hours of that, like four weeks, once a week. And these children just ate it up. I mean, they loved it. And I actually had one girl that repeated it. She wanted to come back. And so she actually did it two times in a row. That's and I want to, I want to do it again in the spring. Uh, I also offer sessions to adolescents individually as well. I so love it doesn't that. have to be and really it sounds like what you're you're recognizing is the lack of connection that has been created through the use of technology, which we I think can agree is not going away, but also recognizing that there are some missing skills in the development of our youth today that need to be addressed with some healthier training and skills. And it sounds like you're taking that on you know, head first, which is, is admirable. Um, where, where, where does this grow from here? I mean, you've, you've been able to manifest what you wanted so far. Where, do, where do you see Serenity Stables going? Well, what I would like to be able to do is continue serving the community that I am. And I, you know, I really appreciate being here and on your show uh, and just getting getting the word out. I think right now my thing is just I don't think people know who I am, <laughs> and I just want people to be able to find me. Uh, where what I see going forward is working really in my heart is with the people. A lot of people that have like Medicaid, and I'm actually now a Medicaid provider, and so I'm able to do that. These are people, you know that. Medicaid does not cover equine therapy, but I'm able to do that because I'm a peer recovery coach. And, and um, this population can't get this, these kinds of services. And so that's what I really want to do because I am that population. I I, I grew up and I, I had WIC, I had food stamps, I had, um, you know, assistance. I did all of that. And there's no shame in that. We need, right. we need, we need help. And 
Um, I want to be able to serve people that can't necessarily afford that, you know, and I can, by being able to bill Medicaid and, and, get, and getting, getting them out there. Well, getting- to that point, Christine, I, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're doing the work that you're doing. I'm certainly thrilled that we can share your story with the world. Tell our listeners who are interested in learning more about you, how can they connect with you online? Sure. So my website is www.recoverywithserenitystables.com. And I am on Facebook as Serenity Stables. I'm also on LinkedIn. My email address is serenitystables2021 at gmail.com. And my phone number is 720-891. 1142. So you can reach out to me and I'd be happy, more than happy to help. Also, you know, anybody, uh, even out of state have, have any questions or how to look into in your area. And I can be more than happy to help you navigate that. Thank you, Christine. I love your willingness to serve and just how you're showing up with your beautiful heart in the world. And if you haven't yet done so, you can subscribe to our Get Unstuck Radio show pages. You can find us at Get Unstuck Radio on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Next week, we'll have another inspiring guest and conversation, and I guarantee you will not want to miss it. Christine, before we wrap up today, can you just tell me one thing you're grateful for? I am grateful for my story. I love that. And I'm grateful that you shared your story with us today. Um, You keep shining your beautiful light, helping each other in the way that you do. Um, I think it's so important and so valuable. And for any of our listeners um, who are struggling, who find themselves stuck and think that Christine's story um, has been an inspiration to you, um, reach out. And I encourage you to connect with her um, in the ways that she listed just above, which we'll include as part of the show notes as well. Until next time, remember you can, every journey begins with the next step and you too can be your own champion. Thank you for joining us for Get Unstuck Radio. Until next week, take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope we've helped you identify how you can overcome the mental block that's been keeping you stuck. Until we talk again, we wish you a great week.